The IG report was all over the news this week, but I haven't heard anyone talk about what it really means to us. Total information lockdown. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Always telling you about the stories I think have the greatest implications for our rights, protections, our liberties going forward. And this week, it's the IG report, which I I find it almost impossible to follow these stories because the way they're reported in the mainstream news, on the cable news, both sides, is just all personality and partisanship and infighting. And she said, he said, it's all drama and, in my opinion, deliberate diversion from the real implications of the agenda and the policies these things lead to. I'm going to get into that, but first I want to... I uh, wish a happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. A couple of uh, groups I want to uh, ask for a little special attention, maybe a special little prayer for all the soldiers who died in service of our country without uh, living long enough to have children. So whatever you think about the wars, I'm not a big fan of war, <laughs> unless unless you can see them invading uh, but but these guys went for the right reasons, and uh, there's nobody there to think of them on Father's Day. So I think they are our fathers. I always like to remember them. And another group I've never noticed before this, and I and they're the ones I see the most, are the dads of disabled kids. I my son has Down syndrome, so I see these guys a lot. But. Uh, when your kid has a serious disability, a physical handicap or um, emotional, mental, it takes a lot of work and sometimes a lot of physical work. And And these guys do the heavy lifting physically, emotionally a lot of times for a stressed out family. Financially, the stuff does cost a lot. And I'll tell you, I complain all the time. I complain on the air. But these guys, I can't think of a single time when – one of those guys complained, and uh, I just feel like it's worth toasting them. And I actually just posted a Father's Day cocktail, the Hawaiian Smile. It's super duper delicious on PropagandaReportDaily.com. Uh, one is actually enough. It's so delicious you can just sip it slow and uh, enjoy it in moderation. Uh, but I, I also would, of course, and plan to toast all the dads, all the good dads who. Humbly recognize how important they are to their families and live up to that responsibility. Just being there, just uh, the male influence, the dad is, you know, a lot of people don't have it. And the people who do uh, really benefit from it. I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that. So um, a toast to you dads on this Father's Day weekend. And I... Uh, and let's turn our attention to what we're here for, which is what are the what's going on in the here and now that we need to scratch the surface on a little bit just to see um, there was uh, there's a concept. I worked on the nine eleven the um, Covenant House nine line, which was like a 
I think it was a suicide hotline, but a lot of the kids who called weren't that stressed out. But we were taught one thing, that the presenting issue, the issue that you're told, like what the person calls, is never, ever the actual real issue. If they, if they were that open with it, they probably wouldn't have to call you anonymously. Like they, it's always something else. And that's how I look at the news. That's what I think is, goes on with the mainstream media narrative. That it's there, not just as a presenting issue that will reveal itself for the underlying agenda, but it's really a diversion, a mask that is meant to stay on. So when, when the kids called on the nine line, we were supposed to bust through, help them uh, peel away the presenting issue to what the real issue was. You're never getting that. I'm trying to do that now. But, but when I see this uh, in, uh, Inspector General report about Comey's Clinton email investigation and it's hundreds of pages, hard to get through. It, it says there's no bias, but, of course, it's riddled with bias. If you've, if you've been following the news all week, you know what I'm talking about. But the upshot, even if you haven't been, is that uh, the, the inspector general made Comey look bad. He did some stupid things. He was insubordinate. Uh, he screwed things up. It had an impact. But what I focused on, and it just leapt out at me when I got to it, was the recommendations the, inter- the inspector general made and the current FBI director, Ray, picked up on. It's not as stark as uh, I'm going to make it for you, but if you just look at it in the context of what I'm about to tell you, you'll see. I feel like what the recommendations have three big goals here. One, the whole story generally, I think, is meant to have a chilling effect. We communicate with each other electronically. Uh, Both named and unnamed FBI agents communicated with each other in in at, on work messaging systems, they said they just didn't think too hard about that it would, you know, this could come to light. But they're there. What they obviously, you know, the way it's presented, thought were private are, is all over the news. So I'll tell you, I think about that when I'm texting just on my own personal phone to my kids. I'm like, you know, would you want this on the front page of the news? It's very chilling. Um, I think that's an oh, a pervasive goal for this kind of thing is to chill us so we can't really communicate in any way that doesn't pass kind of PC muster. But the more important things are that uh, these these recommendations are meant to stifle leaks. That's what they say. They don't want information leaking. It's got media protocols and all this. Now, one man's leak is another man's whistleblower. So if you, you know, you can say it's leaks, but, but at what point, anytime you read about false flags or behind the scenes stuff, Barry Seal or Iran Contra or whatever, you'll see there's like good guys and bad guys within the agencies, within the FBI, within the CIA. Usually the bad guys are actually not, not the predominant amount. So the good guys, if they get wind of what the bad guys are up to, a lot of times they want to blow the whistle, and we want them to because this stuff is not scrutinized. They can violate our rights and privileges and all this kind of stuff, and you don't see it. Like the Michael Cohn warrant. He got over a million documents confiscated, and I, for one, have not seen that warrant. If anybody's seen it, if it's come up since the last time I searched for it, let me know. But we should somebody should leak that warrant so we can see because it seems impossible that that uh, is a valid warrant with that kind of broad scope. We want 
we want whistleblowers to keep these secret uh, machinations, you know, in line. And another thing that it's doing is it's really concentrating power at the top, which I noticed in January 2017, inauguration month, Trump said, oh, I'm going to concentrate the power at the top of these intelligence agencies. He said, make it smaller, whatever. But I just saw a concentration at the top. And these recommendations say kind of take away any kind of discretion down the chain of command to discuss things. That always has to be run up the flagpole. That's uh, that's a that is a stepping stone to this kind of totalitarianism. Now you can say I'm an alarmist, but I am just pointing out that this is something that's been on my radar for years. It started with the Obama Insider Threat Program, uh, which came out of or was hand in hand with uh, a guy named Donald Sockleben, an FBI agent who worked on the Oklahoma City World Trade Center 93, World Trade Center 01 the Unabomber, all things that had some insider backstory. He blew the whistle on the the second underwear bomber, who was a British intelligence agent. So this guy has seen a lot of people get hurt um, in projects that had false flag implications, and he went to jail for kiddie porn that supposedly he did on his FBI computer. So I'm just saying... They don't want to have to bust everybody on kitty porn. They want to bust you just for saying, hey, man, no more false flags. They want to crack down. And and so I'm not just saying this report is making me think that. This report fits a pattern that's been going on for years, and it has implications. That's a lot to say, um, and we can spend this whole time uh, teasing it out. I'll, I you, I want your opinions, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. My producer, Binkley, here is always ready with the research and the clips and the tweets and the opinions. So, Binkley, do you have a tweet for us to launch the uh, conversation? I do. I have one from EGO who says, transparency should be the default. National security has been abused and overused to the point that it almost has no meaning. Corruption is the primary failure of government we're ex- of the government we're experiencing. So for now, we need more leaks, not less. Okay, right. So he's that's such a great. Uh, I might I might make you read that again at some point. Yes, the real problem is corruption. It's the real problem is overreach. The real problem is that our rights and privileges protections, not privileges are being eroded. We, Yes, the real solution we need right now is whistleblowing, not um, lockdown on information so that our extra-legal activities that cause problems in other regions of the world or um, create crises so that domestic policy will change not in our favor, that kind of stuff needs to be exposed. That is the problem we're dealing with right now. So let that launch the conversation. What's your opinion? 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You maniac! You blew it up! On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are talking about the Inspector General report that makes Comey look like some kind of a clown and FBI agents as partisan babies. But there's a real upshot there. There's a... There... I think this is all part of a multi-year effort to really crack down on uh, 
on information coming out of the government. And Binkley, we were at, at the break, we were talking about you've noticed uh, a broader pattern than I'm talking about with the leaks. What's your observation? Well, they could be trying to nullify the quality leaks in and of themselves because a lot of the leaks that come out are like the president said a swear word or an aide made a joke about John McCain. They're inconsequential and stupid. Yes, uh, there is a lot of that. And I would say, I mean, it's it's big. Like, So you have really important leaks. You have classified information, all that kind of stuff. Every, from the, the Clinton email thing, the servers to um, – stuff that's said in the Oval Office, all that. And and I my interpretation is by making this such a huge problem, they can uh, implement zero tolerance, zero tolerance for any information leaving, hermetically seal the government from the people. But that's the opposite of what we want. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, unless you're actually getting invaded, <laughs> you know, our, our military activity isn't even um, – defensive so there's just and and most of the covert stuff that we do actually is illegal and and violates other people's sovereignty so the stuff that's being uh, argued under the national security state that everything needs everything needs to be secret everything is a threat to national security well i would say the stuff they're keeping secret is the threat to national security that it's a threat to national security that they're doing it and if it were threatened to be exposed we would actually be safer. If they stopped doing it, we would actually be safer. Uh, and I feel like these guys work for me. I should be able to read their texts and all that. They shouldn't be able to read mine because I don't work for them. But they sh- I should know what's going on with these people, what's going on in the Oval Office. There's no it, – it's – it's uh, you know, Trump or any president doesn't own <laughs> you know the country, doesn't own the government. So I think it's important to – suss out what should and should not be transparent in government. So let's keep that conversation going. 800 WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. I love listening to your show and the voice of reason that you bring. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I'm the Libertarian Voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. We're talking about the Inspector General's report that talks about how Comey handled the Clinton email probe, his announcements uh, unauthorized, stepping outside the chain of command, leaking things. And I actually see all of that stuff playing into a narrative that's been underway for several years, uh, certainly throughout the entire second administration of Obama and ever since, that they want to demonstrate the need to crack down on leaks and they want to make sure the power of the intelligence agency agencies is firmly planted at the top. And all of this means that our most uh, – the agencies that have the least transparency and pose the greatest threat to our civil liberties, our rights, our privacy, are the ones that are going to have the least transparency, probably do already, and that's only going to get worse. And – that most of this legislation or most of these policy changes, to me, will be designed to make sure there are no whistleblowers. So that when you say there are good guys inside these organizations, and there are, and I think it's the vast majority of them, when they, if they catch wind of something that's not cool, they cannot do anything about it. 
and that's the problem. And and uh, I think the this story is playing into making that worse. So uh, from that, I want to hear what you have to say. Eight hundred. WSB Talk or at Monica Perez Show. Binkley, my producer, here to uh, provide some much appreciated perspective since you do tolerate monitoring a lot of the uh, super far left-wing stuff that that comes out, a lot of the propaganda, the um, movements that are emerging, and I appreciate that, and also to read some tweets. So what you got? Well, I have a I have a text message from I think it's Peter Struck to Lisa Page that reads Viva la resistance. Funny. I get that. Because I I know that you monitor the resistance actually because the resistance is now like Keith Oberman, right? Like didn't he he was for a while. When do you remember that expression emerging? In this context, I don't know, earlier, 2007, Women's March. Post-inauguration, right? Yeah. This stuff is all pre-election. And I'll tell you, I remember distinctly when they started calling the resistance, I was absolutely annoyed because I... We were the resistance. I remember I named a podcast when Obama begged, people don't remember this, begged to drop, to shoot Tomahawk missiles into Damascus. So this, don't forget people, the foreign policy is the same. It's just the excuses are different. He was begging for it, and he did not, they they didn't even bring it to a vote because they knew he was going to lose the way they lost in Britain. And I named the podcast of that event, the first victory for the resistance because we were the resistance of big government. And I, and I noted that to call a resistance, uh, far left, big government people like Olbermann, what the resistance is, what more government, like how it doesn't even make sense to call that the resistance. So I remember <laughs> when they kind of hijacked that term annoyed me, it makes people think they're, you know, fighting this communist revolution, but they just are fighting to restore the communism that we already have. Uh, so I, this is the kind of stuff that makes me a little suspicious that all these text messages that we're being shown, especially the anonymous ones, Agent 1 said to Agent 2, you know, boo, I hate Donald Trump. Like, come on. I mean, maybe, maybe on a work thing. I'm just saying I am going to uh, – I'm not 100% convinced all that stuff really – were texts that were sent in real time, as we're told. I don't know. I think this whole narrative is being used, if not if not crafted, then at least manipulated. But I want to hear what uh, y'all have to say. 404-872-0750. I'm going to Ken in Atlanta. Ken, you're on with Monica. Yes, hi. It's great to be able to talk to you. Uh, the funny thing about all of this stuff is I was just on your, your screener. You know, um, all the way back to President Kennedy warned of this stuff. He told us that there were people that were in power that were trying to take over and do things. And they took care of him the harsh way. Um, and ever since then, it seems like it's, it's gotten step by step. Those who try to, to tell anything, where's Julian Assange? What happened to him? Edward Snowden. They, they proved pretty much that, you know, Bradley Manning, hey, 
you want to come out with something, it doesn't matter what it is, we're going to find a way. We're going to do some air science business. We're going to, you're going to have a little brick somewhere. And how you go about changing that, I'm not sure, because we live in the lower 60% of, of knowledge here in this country. The other 40%, there's a few people who catch it. We never get it. We get trickles and, and droves here and there. But, yeah, it's, it's only what they want us to see. They throw someone out once in a while as a scapegoat. You know, here, here, take a bad guy. Here, there are three people. And then after that, you, you hear nothing else and they go about business as usual. And sometimes, Maybe. yeah, sometimes I think, like, the people that you're mentioning, I really don't know a lot of good information or a lot of damaging information comes out from those sources that I feel like it's possible that we get these people, um, get some airtime, get some um, uh, PR so that we think that there are still whistleblowers, so that we think that we really do have a choice. So when Edward Snowden came out, he said, I want to make sure that there's a conversation here about the trade-off between security and liberty. And, yeah, there's a conversation, but actually the things that he complained about being illegal were were codified in the USA Freedom Act. So what he did was usher in a new era where this um, violations of privacy are out in the open, and then you just get used to it. So I really, I really wonder what we can yeah. do. You know? Unless we find a way to defund them, I mean, I think it has to be a groundswell problem. You know, that's the problem is trying to groundswell out and get rid of the people that are in the Congress, get rid of those, and actually be able to affect their paycheck. That's about it. Yeah, I'm thinking hard about, um, you know, that's why I like what Garland Favrito at Voter GA is doing. Like, he's addressing election integrity. I actually think. You know, I get pretty hopeless, but I think that there are things we can we can do still. And I want to a little bit later. I want to play a clip. You said something about the American public not having information. I actually think that we are extremely low information. We're very vulnerable to propaganda because we were nurtured on the idea that we have the freest press in the world. So we we believe that you can that libel suits and slander and all that kind of stuff are like swift and just. And we just think people could not get away with wholesale fabrication, whereas in a lot of other countries, they they know, they grew up knowing that the state owned the press. I mean, it, you just can't get around that as, as um, meaning that the press is biased. So other, other populations are more skeptical, and I think because of that, they kind of demand a more realistic narrative, which makes – it slows the propaganda down a little bit. And, uh, and that's why I think they're cracking down on our information here. They don't want us to open our minds to that stuff. But I do – I feel like we have to have hope. We, we have to rely on these whistleblowers to give us information. We have to really look at our elections and make sure that there's true integrity and don't just fall for the, uh, the narrative, oh, Russia did it. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I want to see – I want paper ballots in a shoebox, and I want to watch them go into the shoebox. I want to walk with them to the you know, city hall, and I want to watch them be counted. And I don't care who's trying to mess with it. Let's just – um, restore some integrity. I'm going to go to Shelly in Atlanta. Shelly, you're on with Monica. Hi. Um, I was just calling because I, I think that uh, something that you might be not thinking about, not considering when you want all, like, just free access to everything the government's doing all the time, unless we're at war, is the idea that um, 
there we can't limit it to Americans. Yeah, Americans should have the right to know because we hired them and everything like that. But we can't limit it to you know information just to us. So in negotiations, well, what information or are you worried defense, about? What information are you worried about? I'll give you an example. Um, before World War II, before Pearl, Pearl Harbor, a few years before, a uh, military, uh, I think it was a naval officer or something, was worried that it was vulnerable to air attack. And so he took bags of flour and simulated what could happen to try and get, um, you know, people on his side to do more aircraft carriers and this, that, and the other. Um, and no one paid attention to him. But then Japan literally stole his, his playbook. And a few years later, hit Pearl Harbor. It just when he said it was going to happen. But why do we have um, these enemies? Why do we see enemies everywhere? What What do you think this this constant state of enemy military fear comes from? Well, it's not just defense too, but in negotiations, you can't put all of your cards on but the table before you what? go to negotiations. Why do we have to negotiate? We're not a company. Well. No, the government has to negotiate with other countries all the time, whether it's trade or nuclear with North Korea, like but the denuclearized see, North Korea. I don't agree with that. I think that we should have free trade. The government is not our CEO. It's not a company. We have no. – they should stay out of the economy, and there's no reason other countries should not be able to defend themselves. We're the only country who ever used nukes. No, I'm, I'm saying that uh, – you're right. Like free trade. That's I'm totally all about that. Except we have to have negotiate ability to negotiate that China doesn't only export to us, and we get to export to them too. Or China and, and the U.S. Every relationship on the planet. China and the U.S. Sorry? are the biggest exporters in the world. We export plenty. Uh-huh. They export plenty. If they want to uh-huh. give us. Every single thing we need for half the price of what we can do it ourselves, we should take that deal. And, and free trade will be They shouldn't be able to steal to intellectual deal. property. They shouldn't be able to steal intellectual property. But I'm and not then sure intellectual property is actually property. You know what I'm saying? No, like if why, you go if you to the research out, and development to come up with something, I, I mean, then you're then you spend all of the work doing it. You spend all the money to do it. And then they turn around and just take the product, reverse engineer it. And they don't have any of the costs so that you have to come up with that. Our government should go around policing the world so that others don't reverse engineer things that we release out to them. No, we should have uh, the ability to negotiate uh, with other countries' governments to make sure that they protect our intellectual See, property I, I, and that we, they don't let that happen. You and I have a f- totally fundamentally different view of the role of government. And the idea of intellectual property is actually kind of the last domino to fall when you're thinking of a truly free society. Stefan Kinsella can really bring it home for you. If you're spending a lot of money on R&D, then you have to think about, uh, you know, you have to just use it to sell products quickly as a first mover, that's your advantage. And I don't think that it is the obligation of the government to follow your ideas around the world or their governments to make sure that people don't do what they want with the stuff they buy. And, uh, you know, it's just a different world. It's just a different world view. You think, well, this is the way the world is, so this is how we have to preserve it. And I'm saying we create the necessity for all these apparatuses when we 
stop thinking of markets as free and um, and think of ourselves as free actors. We would have a safer, more prosperous, less cumbersome world if we did it my way. And that's why we need all these secrets and all these structures because we want to control everything. And, uh, and we really don't have even the constitutional right to do that. Give me a call. I'm sure people are going to want to talk about that. 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Well, no one's going to top that. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Talking about this uh, true purpose of the IG report, which in my opinion is to uh, lock down all the information in our government. And I'm going to go to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Eric and Marietta. Hi, Eric. You're on with Monica. Good afternoon, and I hope you're doing well today. Um, I wanted to make a comment on the lady that, that uh, you were talking to just before the break uh, about the government protecting our information. And I think she has the right idea, but I think she's kind of pointing in the wrong direction as I feel the government is responsible. And I would hope to think that it wasn't on intentionally, but I think overregulation, excessive taxes and stuff like that. When you're a company and you're trying to make a product, you want to manufacture it. Of course you want quality, but you want to manufacture it as, as cheaply as possible also because you want to increase or, you know, maximize your profit margin. If it's not practical to do it here in the United States, or I should say financially, but you know, then you do it someplace else. And uh, while we were on break, I thought about something. Uh, I'm a photographer, and this happened years and years and years ago. Uh, there's a company called Vivitar that makes lenses and camera stuff, and uh, they developed a line Hold of on, lenses. Eric, called- I'm going to let you, if you can hang on through the break, I'm going to let you finish your story on the other end of the commercial, okay? Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, And I'm also going to tell you guys the stuff I found out about Mueller, just incident after incident. This guy is bad news. Coming up after the break, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show or call 800-WSB-TALK. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to do. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And today we're talking about the IG report. It's this big thing about how Comey handled the Clinton email scandal investigation And to me, that's just what I identified earlier as the presenting issue. The actual purpose of all of this smoke and mirrors, in my opinion, is to crack down on leakers and to make sure the power and the information are concentrated and controlled at the top. If you go to the IG report and look at the recommendations, or if you listen to what Christopher Wray, the now head of the FBI, is doing, that's what they're doing. And this is part of of a multi-year effort called the Insider Threat Program that uh, came under some scrutiny under Obama when the uh, a whistleblower was punished and journalists were spied on and all this kind of stuff. Uh, 
and the event that the whistleblower was revealing was that there was a second underwear bomber in the works, and what's worse than that is that it was a military intelligence officer from England, and that dovetails with the first underwear bomber had a very suspicious story. Witnesses saw him escorted onto the plane by guys in suits. He had no passport, and that, if you'll recall, that event ushered in these... uh, those body scanners at the airport that um, are produced, if I, I mean, this certainly, the articles I read said this, I, I, I think it's true, that uh, Michael Chertoff, who was the second Department of Homeland Security head, was invested in one of these, in the company that makes these things, and, and whoever does make it had this giant windfall. And if you look at these false flags as having either those kind of policy implications, kind of corruption or more general policy implications like cracking down on whistleblowers, then uh, you can, you know, you view some of these stories or how they're treated by the mainstream media with a little skepticism. And uh, I personally feel like this idea of tons of um, secrecy, I think the default state should be openness, and there has to be a darn good reason to have secrecy. Uh, same thing with privacy. The default state should be you have privacy and you need a warrant as per fourth, the Fourth Amendment to violate people's privacy. Our privacy should be sacrosanct. The government should have transparency. They're, they work for us. You know what I'm saying? It's not everything should have privacy. No, we get the privacy. They have transparency. That's the way it's supposed to work. I actually put a call on hold before the break. Eric, I'm going to let him um restate his thought and tell me his point and then i'm going to move on to tweets and calls 800 wsb talk at monica perez show binkley get ready with some tweets eric what you got okay we're still here well after thinking and listening you know i'm kind of off the track but uh as far as the technology transfer goes i think that this has happened in the past because of uh a situation or an atmosphere that has been generated or promoted by the government to protect trade or to help trade, and I think it pretty much backfired. Uh, the example that I was giving happened years and years ago where a company was on both sides of the globe, and they developed something here in the United States that was manufactured over to, overseas because they had a better capability to manufacture it. It actually didn't tie into what you were talking about. <laughs> That's okay. But you do bring up an idea. I'm going to let you go, Eric, but I do. that did make me think of something that uh, we have all, we have to have all this intel, all this spying, all this this, all this that. We spend 50% and have for as long as I've looked at it, 50% of the world's defense budget is spent by the United States. And many of the other countries are our allies, the big countries. So us and our allies absolutely dominate defense spending by a lot. So everybody else together can't touch us, right? So then why are they a threat to us? Well, they're a threat to us because we develop all this stuff and then we let our contractors, companies whose sole revenue is from the U.S. government, we have complete power over them. Um, We let them sell to other countries who may or may not end up being our friends. So then you have this situation where, and actually there was something weird like Stuxnet. It was a cyber um, weapon that somehow we accidentally you know, got into the hands of the Iranians, and now you need all the cybersecurity. So it's my contention, or at least it's a plausible theory, that we create this stuff, we pay the defense contractors to create all this stuff. Then 
We let them release it out into the wild, which creates a new threat to us, and then we have to pay them to uh, raise the bar. And I would say, you could even just say, nobody who gets uh, our defense contracts can sell to anybody else, for example. I mean, I'm not trying to solve the problems. I'm just saying, we create this stuff. And the tech that we're releasing out there, a lot of it's created by DARPA anyway, by the, the... defense research and through university grants and all that. So a lot of this stuff to me is public anyway. Why is it all accruing to the benefit of corporations? You know, why do we pay these super high prices for stuff um, and then use our government to protect what is now private property that started out as our property? You know what I'm saying? It's all because we do not have the free society that we are told we have. So we look at free market mechanisms. We look at wanting to protect property. But where is it coming from? Whose property is it really? Uh, it's, it's, this, it's really the corporate governmental continuum that, that does smack of fascism. And, uh, and until we look at it square on, we're, uh, we're going to be focusing on the wrong solutions. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to go to Ron in a second. Hang on, Ron. Binkley, let's hear those tweets. All right. I have a couple from Mysterio who says, protect national security, the ultimate catch-all BS excuse when they have something to hide. He goes on to tweet, the constant stream of enemies comes from the government needing a boogeyman to scare general population in order to fund the military industrial complex and department of war. Yes. uh, Yes, they're – this is what's very hard for people to understand because that cable news 24-hour cycle just doesn't they, – they promote the terror of, of these insurmountable enemies like terrorists. But if you dig into it, there's absolutely tons of evidence that we foster these enemies – even solely for the for the purpose of justifying the war state. If you go back and read the report from Iron Mountain, whatever you want to say about its origins and if it's literal or figurative or whatever, it clearly represents what they're up to, and it had tremendous foreshadowing. So even if it was meant to be a joke, it certainly was carried out. They talk about how you just can't have the, the hierarchical structure, um, the dependence on the... the the powerful if the people aren't scared, scared of deprivation, scared of an internal enemy, um, scared of an external enemy, of a global enemy. It talks about a global environmental crisis. It talks about all these things that we see now as all they do is use this to justify big spending um, and an erosion of our rights, which is a longstanding goal. You can look at Brzezinski's crisis of democracy. Since the 70s, they have been trying to get our ability to hold them accountable away from us, and it's happening more and more. And, and coming up in the next half hour probably, I want to play some um, – really get a little deeper on the world stage of what's actually going on, how the levers, levers of power are really working in the very big picture. Let me go to Ron. Um, Ron in Canton, you are on with Monica. Hi, Ron. Hello, Monica. Uh, as far as that IG report goes, I view that the same way I viewed Comey testifying before Congress. 
you run down all the crimes these people are committing and draw totally different, totally erroneous conclusions. Yeah, it was a weird it's, report because they said they they demonstrated that these guys obviously were ridiculously biased, broke the rules all along. It had a real impact um, on the world, you know, on the on the national level. And then they said, you know, but whatevs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's the same thing. It, it's foolish to have the 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 FBI investigate itself. Yeah, Somebody well, should investigate the inspector general. Yeah, that's another thing that's going on here. They take every opportunity, even the president does it, to say, hey, don't read anything into this about the inherent, uh, the inherent trustworthiness of these institutions. I mean, Binkley, you have, I know you have strong opinions about this, do you not? Yeah, it, they, I mean, they act like it's just the people that, make the uh, institutions not trustworthy. It's at the foundation of these in- institutions that they manipulate people, and they have been since they were founded. Well, actually, if you think about it, that is like the CIA. We're told it's an intelligence agency, but from everything I've read, they are they run operations. They are not about intel- – they are not a passive receptacle of intelligence that helps us defend ourselves. They are out there trying to manipulate as early as when they Iran had a secular leader in the 60s, I guess. Or maybe it was the 50s. Yeah, the 50s, Mossadegh. And he uh, – the CIA ran a coup that killed hundreds of people and installed the Shah, and, and they did the same thing, right? Wasn't that there, the Banana Republic – um, for United Fruit, they, they Guatemala. Took, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a Bernays operation. Oh my gosh, Edward Bernays, you have. Oh, we got to go. But tell me what in one second what that. Tell me right now. But Bernays convinced the Guatemalan people that their elected leader was a communist, and he got them to overthrow them. Well, he might have been a communist, but still, yeah. with the help of the CIA, <laughs> and then they installed business. their own guy. We didn't do it because we care about those people. Same thing with Chile. I mean, we just. Uh, anyway, let's, we could go on and on. But I, but he was saying these guys are bad news. I want to tell you just how bad Mueller is after the break. 800 WSB Talk at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Very refreshing to hear, even when you don't know about something that we can go down, if you want to say a rabbit hole, but just look at things differently. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're talking about the IG report, Comey, um... But there's stuff – I'm not even going to recount what you're hearing in the mainstream media 24-7 about this. It's all very personal and partisan. But I think it's – we should peel the onion a little bit and talk about Comey and Mueller. They were both directors of the FBI, and Binkley, my producer, and I, we do podcasts – called Propaganda Report on PropagandaReportDaily.com, and we've also talked about it on the – we've talked about it on that and on the WSB show, uh, just how really shady Comey is. And not like, well, he has bad judgment. I mean, like, this guy's bad news. This is deep state, like the real deep state, not the Obama holdover deep state. This guy's deep state from way back what Binkley did we I think we did a pot we've done a lot of work on him but what's a place for people to start episode 95 of the propaganda report podcast it's at propagandareportdaily.com and I will tweet it right now oh great uh all right so 
That's Comey, but one one of the big things that he did that we talked about and are just shocked that he continues to lie about it is that he accused the wrong man of being the Ramsey rapist. He was kidnapped by somebody who was probably the Ramsey rapist, and he, even though all the other victims said it was not this guy, he said it was that guy, and he, and this is when he was a teenager. And his testimony alone caused this guy to be falsely imprisoned, and the guy, when he got released, exonerated, he won a $3 million-plus settlement for wrong false imprisonment or whatever it was. Uh, but even as recently as Comey's last appearance on Anderson Cooper, I believe, is that right, Binkley, where he said he still thinks that guy did it? Remember? Yeah, I mean, he's been on a whole lot of different interviews where he's echoed that. Yeah, I mean, that's – he that's – was that libel, I guess? Libel's in writing. Slander? Yeah. Uh, he – so, I mean, this is just outrageous, and nobody calls him on it. I mean, that's fake news right there. They make him the hero of it. It's outrageous. That's just sick. When you hear the guy who was imprisoned, his wife, talk about it, she's just disgusted. And we, we reveal all that in our podcast. But – uh, he has been shoulder to shoulder with Mueller doing just those kind of shenanigans. So let me just take off the Mueller stuff right after the break. 800 WSB Talk at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. We are, I'm trying to find this tweet, Binkley, of, um, here it is. Are uh, you with me, Binkley? Should I read my own tweet? <laughs> I don't normally. You can give it a shot. Me. I'll give it a shot. See if I can read it. We were talking about Comey and Mueller before the break, and I we've really done a number on Comey. He deserves it. There is something up with that. Guy. He's a slime ball. He's a, he's worse than a slime, but he's an operative of some kind, and he's a terrible actor. Like those guys need to be better actors, or maybe he's like a super great actor where it trying looks to trigger like, us. What? Trying to trigger us. Like so, he look he deliberately tries to look like he's lying, and that you can tell that he's lying. Yeah. So that you think you know what he's lying about. Yeah. You know, because underneath it all, he's like masterful. Well, Mueller is 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 possibly worse than Comey. And uh, I see a, a, um, a, a Trump deplorable tweeted at me, how did Mueller get this stellar reputation that's repeated about him by so many in D.C.? I guess I know the answer, but I feel stupid that I believed it at one time. Not anymore. Well, I've been tweeting out these articles about Mueller, and th- these are not articles like, um, you know, tinfoilhat.com. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I do not uh, throw out good information, good evidence, just because somebody comes off as kooky. I throw out bad evidence, bad information. When it can't be supported, I always dig in, and I don't come out with it unless I personally am convinced. So some of the information I found on Mueller uh, came from Time Magazine, The New York Times, uh, Boston Globe. I've got this one uh, on SarahCarter.com. I have seen her her name before. I should probably know who she is. I know she's a, I believe she's a journalist. But um, 
But the actual source in hers is Colleen Rowley, who's an FBI whistleblower who seems to still be in good repute. You don't always get that. Uh, usually they get thrown under the bus. They get disparaged, called crazy, whatever. Uh, but but here's some of the stuff uh, on Mueller. And th- this, I think, Binkley, you didn't – this was kind of news to you, right? Yeah, this was new to me. Yeah, here you go. So, so right, we were talking before the break that Comey – single-handedly um, accused the wrong man of being the Ramsey rapist. Okay. But Mueller and Comey together. So that guy, the the, the Ramsey racist who the, – the Ramsey racist. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Comey's the Ramsey racist. Uh, he got a – the guy who Comey said was the Ramsey rapist but wasn't got a multi-million dollar settlement for, for that um, mistake – Mueller and Comey together falsely accused a man, really set him up, framed him basically, in the anthrax case that happened right after 9-11. Remember that whole dust up, if you will? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that people died. It was not funny. Stop laughing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's hard to have levity. You know what I mean? When What we're talking about is people who like lie and steal and kill. It's right? a good pun. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that guy... The man falsely accused of um, perpetrating the anthrax uh, episode got a multi-million dollar settlement. Okay. Then uh, this FBI whistleblower, Colleen Rowley, together with 9-11 family victim, you know, 9-11 victim family activists, uh, exposed Mueller and Comey as suppressing evidence of Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. And there was another... uh, yeah, Judicial Watch, which people like, um, verified this, if I read it correctly, if memory serves, that uh, Mueller and Comey, yes, suppress um, the evidence that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11. And even Trump on the campaign trail, and since then with the 28 pages, I think, I think it's pretty well established that Saudi Arabia was involved. So these guys covered that up. Why? Um Another big thing of Mueller's uh, is that there were four guys framed for a murder that Whitey Bulger committed. This is apparently the story. These guys, this is in Boston. Mueller was the U.S. attorney there. Uh, he wrote letters asking the parole board not to release these men. He, his office uh, was accused of suppressing exculpatory evidence against these guys, you know, in favor of these guys to protect Bulger. You know, you know the whole Whitey Bulger story. There's a movie about it. His brother was a state senator, and he was an FBI informant, and they literally let him get away with murder for years. Like, they say it's because he was giving us good information, but what you know what I mean? What's good information if you're letting people die? Isn't good information stuff that saves people's lives? You know what I mean? Who knows what was really going on there? But supposedly, now this is something that continues. If you read the articles in New York Times, Boston Globe, whatever, it'll say questions remain on Mueller's involvement in this but these guys ultimately did get out and they got over a hundred million dollars in a settlement for that so Mueller's job seems to be framing people oh he did another one and this i can't believe was uh referenced in time magazine that apparently that lockerbie i think it's the lockerbie bomber the pan am flight 103 over scotland uh went down over scotland there was uh i think convincing evidence to suggest that that was an inside job 
to assassinate a would-be whistleblower, a guy from the Defense Intelligence Agency who found evidence of the CIA being involved in drug smuggling through a project called Korea, capital C-O-R-E-A. But Mueller framed this Libyan guy who went to jail for it, and then he was released back to Libya and then died a few years later. And when I saw that guy being released, I was like, oh, I can't believe they're letting that guy out of jail. Like, he did it. But apparently there's uh, convincing evidence that he did not do it. So this is just another thing. Now, you have to investigate these stories yourself about Mueller. You have to decide what you think he did or did not do. I think the one with the anthrax is is absolutely uh, set in stone. And these other ones, I mean, they keep popping up in the mainstream media as, well, we really don't know the story here. You know, he should answer these questions. Why was he never asked these questions when he was um, – no uh, confirmed or any of that kind of stuff. So here's a guy who is absolutely implicated in some very fishy stories, framing people, covering up, and he is running the Russia investigation. Now, I personally don't – the Russia investigation to me is uh, a diversion from real policy matters. I don't know what they're – they're not even saying that there was any purpose to the Russia collusion the russia interference other than to sow unrest you know in this country so this whole thing to me is a massive misdirection and i don't really i don't know what Mueller's role would be here but i don't think it's on the up and up and i don't know what binkley what's your impression on that well after hearing that it sounds (laughs) like he's a fixer for the mob and he (laughs) He might be he's paid to cover things up and then dole out millions of dollars to the people he frames yeah, so the taxpayers are paying for this stuff, but the people – so in every one of these cases, I don't know about the anthrax case, but certainly the Ramsey rapist was never caught. Uh, Bulger was brought to justice, but I don't know if it had anything to do with those four guys getting out of jail. I don't think nobody ever really was held accountable for um, whatever really happened to that Pan Am flight. Certainly Mueller and Comey were not held accountable for covering up Saudi Arabia's role in 9-11. And, um, yeah, I mean, the anthrax thing, I don't, I don't think they ever put anybody in jail for that. That one I don't know, though. I'd have to look into that. So he's risen to the top by yes. never actually doing what his job, that we think his job is supposed to be doing. Yeah, and what's uh, actually in some of these articles, it says that some of the people who were kind of accused of gross incompetence or whatever it was that led to these bad outcomes were – also promoted, you know, like Comey. Maybe this couple that was sending the messages to each other will get a promotion. Well, (laughs) I think they flew a little too close to the sun for that. Now that it's out, they're 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 sacrificial lambs for sure. But what I what I think is funny is the ones that are like Agent One, Agent Two. Yeah, come on, you know, once you do that. These people have a face. It's kind of hard to like, wow, that guy, if he's faking it, that stinks. Like his face is everywhere. But when they when it's anonymous, that, that to me, I really got to take that with a grain of salt. And given that these people, look at what they do inside the FBI, these guys. So I wouldn't put it past them to make up texts, texts that have a strangely post-inauguration flavor to them. Viva la resistance is definitely something that arose after – the women's march, as they say, the pink hat march. It does sound like they're wearing pink hats it while they're sound, making these messages. Before pink hats were pink hats. So we shall see what comes out of that. Uh, 
So, oh, but Binkley, I wonder if we have enough time. I really wanted you to uh, help me understand better um, Bernays' involvement in the United Fruit, the uh, overthrow of the government of Guatemala on behalf of United Fruit, which I was saying in the same breath as the CIA's overthrow of Mossadegh in Iran because he was going to nationalize British Petroleum, which is, I think, at the time was Aramco or whatever. Um, no. I forget what it's called at the time. But anyway, uh, so what you're saying, I think it's interesting what you're saying Bernays' role in that was. Can you explain yeah, that again? Yeah, Bernays was at first employed by United Fruit, and they were making a ton of money there. They pretty much had a monopoly, but this new guy was democratically elected as president, and he started putting the uh, – he started breaking up their monopoly. So they got – they hired Bernays, and Bernays – brought a bunch of journalists over from the United States, from the six major um, magazines or newspapers, and he showed them a show that conveyed to them that this guy was this newly democratically elected president, that he was a dangerous communist, and he did it like North Korea shows journalists the good side of North Korea. So he showed them he, – he created a stage drama basically, and these journalists came back to America, and they wrote – Articles spreading these articles all over the country and using this momentum convinced the CIA to that they needed to help him, you know, enact a coup and get this guy out of power. And that's what happened. They caused the Guatemalan people through the help of the CIA and Edward Bernays to um, overthrow their democratically elected president and install somebody friendly. Okay, what that. That story pertains to what we're talking about today in this way, in my opinion. I'm saying that the real point of this IG thing is to close up all kinds of leaks, which include whistleblowers. And once you close off all transparency, you're going to have worse behavior. And it also takes away any kind of discretion for communication outside anybody below the chain, you know, the highest levels on the chain of command. So my, my point is that their people, the vast majority of the people in the CIA and the FBI are just doing their jobs. They're, they're, they've got their heart in the right places, and they need to be true believers, which is why Bernays targeted them to believe in the cause. Then, but if some of the good guys get too close to some of the guys who are trying to operate behind the scenes for nefarious purposes, they're going to want to blow the whistle because these are people who really think they're fighting the good fight. And those are the people you have to silence. You have to – you want to propagandize them, but it's not going to work 100 percent of the time. So a complete total lockdown of information and total control of information uh, is would be the last line of defense here. But a after the break, I want to make a point, though, about these socialists who want to nationalize private property in these countries and the communist – the threat of communism from back then. It's kind of nuanced. I'll give you this libertarian perspective after the break at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. You peel off the layers of the onion on things that we never, ever hear. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. So right before the break, we were talking about uh, – how the CIA was instrumental in removing democratically elected governments in Iran and Guatemala. Uh, we were talking about it in the context of what the CIA is up to and if the rank and file is all in on it. I don't think they are. I think that's why you have to make sure there's no whistleblowers. But I wanted to make an aside. Every time 
uh, I, for one, talk about that, what we do to interfere in sovereign countries, something rankles me, if that's the right word. <clears throat> These guys were communists, you know, or socialists, who uh, they, the Mossadic, Mossadic wanted to nationalize the oil company, and um, our Benz wanted to nationalize the fruit company. Now, I don't know about the fruit company. I never read about that. But I know the oil company it was British Petroleum. I believe they lost in court that they did not have a legitimate right to the oil. I personally do not believe in nationalized resources. I like the way we do it here. Like in Texas and Oklahoma, you have Dust Bowl, people who withstood the Dust Bowl only to discover that they were sitting on a multi-generational wealth in the form of oil and gas. And and it just spreads the wealth around. It's great. It's You own your property down to the center of the earth. And, uh, and I love that. That's not what they, these guys plan for the resources of their country. They want to nationalize it and put it in the hands of their governments. And, uh, and like in Peru, where they actually did that with the coffee plantations, they fell to ruin. You know, this is not a way to do it. The way to do it is let – you don't have to fight communism. Let it – fight itself while you have a free market system of lawful capitalism not invading other countries and stealing their stuff and calling it capitalism gives capitalism a bad name anyway uh i want to take that thought and bring it up a notch right after the break this is monica perez Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We were just uh, getting into some nuance of ideology and history and world affairs, talking about how, uh, I mean, in the context of this week's news, the IG report talks about Comey and the email scandal, Hillary's email server and FBI agents texting partisan uh, vitriol and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that's what this is all about. If you look at the recommendations of the IG and you look at the reaction of FBI Director Ray, you will see that what they really want to do is plug leaks and concentrate power at the top. That's part of a longstanding operation that started uh, certainly by the beginning of Obama's second term. And we were talking about how that's important because – the CIA and FBI rank and file really are not in there thinking they're plotting some um, – I do not think they think they're serving the interests of globalist corporations. I think they think they're protecting us. And when they start realizing what's really going on and why, and that people are going to get hurt because some of the stuff is false flag operations, then uh, you need to make sure they don't, they don't get the word out because – this whole house of cards relies on the American people believing the official narrative and the mainstream media repeating it. So when you get a really credible source, you have to discredit that source and one or, or get rid of that source somehow. And if you can't do that too often, the guy who started this whole avalanche of whistleblowing and retaliation or a prominent story about that was Donald Sockleben, who 
stopped the second underwear bomber from doing his thing, and it came out that that guy was a British intelligence agent. So the reason the FBI guy knew about it is because it was an inside job. And then he went to jail for kitty porn on his work computer. So maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I, if I hear that story again about somebody else, I'm not going to believe it. So what they want is just to be able to so-called plug leaks, shut these people up without so much as a, a you know, examination. So, uh, so Binkley, my producer, was telling me earlier about how Edward Bernays was charged with kind of propagandizing the CIA in the famous United Fruit coup in Guatemala. And, uh, and we were also talking about how I don't defend the Guatemalan government or the Iranian government for wanting to nationalize these big companies. Now, a lot of those companies went in and, you know, this is the problem with the history of capitalism, so-called capitalism, whatever. If you look at true lawful free market capitalism, it's great. There's a race to the bottom, as they say, where it, it creates the most, the most well-being, the most wealth, the most evenly distributed because there's no government privilege to keep startups and competitors from driving down prices and profits. That's why John T. Rockefeller said competition is a sin. That's the problem is in capitalism. The problem is, is industrialists or corporations, or whatever, capturing uh, real power, like military power and police power and the power of the courts and the power to take your property away or keep you from competing. That's the problem, and it's getting worse all the time. Uh, so I was, you know, but, but for me, a lot of people who say stuff like that are socialists who are like, we have to take the power back. And, uh, and, and I think historically there's a reason for that, uh, that's different for Europeans from Americans. Americans always had land. They didn't have to. They weren't serfs or whatever having to – and then got funneled into factories. We still had land. So if you didn't like the factory, just move out a little further. Go, go west, young man. Whereas in England, that's where the stories, the Oliver Twistle, that those stories of terrible, um, squalid uh, sweatshops comes from because long ago – their nobility uh, absorbed all the land. It was already already taken, and they still, to this day, have 99-year leases, so it reverts back to those same families. And what are the regular people supposed to do? There's no way to write that wrong. How did the property get initially owned by these very powerful people? Was it strictly lawful? Are the laws of inheritance strictly just, you know, did they have rules against perpetuities, which does not allow people basically to control land from the grave? It's like my favorite law property. So, so when I hear about people crying out against the global corporations controlling the government, so often they're socialists. It just irritates me. And, uh, however, they are right about the bigger picture. So I came upon this thing. It was like four hour podcast and I listened to the whole thing. I'm amazed to say called Media on Trial. I was out of England. And there was a great, I want to play this great excerpt for you. And then we're going to follow that up with um, a, a, a really terrific find um, Binkley here got uh, that I think goes well with it from, from America. 
So I want to start with, so this is what happens. The Q&A at the end of a four-hour conference in Leeds. And the questioner from the audience says, oh, there are satanic forces that want to destroy humanity. And what are we going to do? You know, it's, it's so bad. And I'll tell you, if you're in there trying to find the truth on the Internet, that's, you're going to, you are going to get, there's a real occult narrative out there that I, I don't, you know, you see the Bilderbergers in these crazy outfits worshiping like a burning owl or something. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't know what is really going on at the highest levels, but I have concluded that it does not matter because our only hope is to defend our own principles here because that's our only defense anyway. It, the question of who's on top of what's going on isn't important. And uh, and I just loved that this guy had put it put so well, you know, it does smack a little bit of, you know, the socialist. But I liked what he said. And you can take there are a lot of libertarians who present a counterpoise to the socialist answer, which is less government, not more. Uh, so I just want to hear this guy. Um, Binkley, please play for me clip one. I'm actually going to give you a non-esoteric answer. Um, what seems to be happening, we're losing political control over the most powerful entities on the planet. And you've named people who are, have banking empires. There's banking empires and there's the corporations. They're now able to operate with a system of law which is above that of states. It's above what we have any hope of having any political influence over. So what comes to seem perhaps as esoteric is actually could just be a reflection of the fact that power has escaped not only us, it's escaped the so-called most powerful person in the world, the President of the United States. The way these people behave when they get into power, power perhaps in inverted commas, has already been mentioned earlier, that they don't have it. The power actually resides somewhere else where it's not reached by politics, it's not reached by law. And that is the real problem, I think. But to address that problem, it doesn't require, it requires not being made to think that it's esoteric, but made to see for the reality that it is. So there's more to that. Um, but uh, I think that's important. Maybe it's not, um, you know, I think it has a broader meaning than just what we're talking about today in that. It's very, I feel like so much that we see like on the mainstream media is a diversion. Like this stuff, they all talk about personalities. What is Trump thinking? What is Kim thinking? Really? It doesn't matter. It matters who they're, puppet masters, what they're thinking. And that's what this guy's talking about. But what we see on the mainstream media as this massive diversion, I believe the same thing is going on on the internet for the next, for the other, for the people who don't buy What's going coming out of the glowing box in the living room? That's your mom. You know, your, your parents buy that. It's a double layer diversion, maybe triple yes. layer diversion. Yeah, because then there's the other one, which is like Atlantic Magazine, The New Yorker, where you have these smug people all say, like, can you believe the corruption that goes on in the highest levels? Yes, Trump and Russia. I like laugh. I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's just a soap opera. How can you? But I read it in The Atlantic. So that's for the. You know, the intellectuals. Yeah, Bernays and others do talk about how they target different layers, different types of propaganda towards different types of people. And specifically, 
prior to World War One, the intellectuals in the universities were targeted because they could use their influence to spread propaganda, and they bought buy into themselves so much they wouldn't question themselves. And I actually feel like uh, we sometimes the stuff I can't make sense of I feel like is designed for the foreign audience. So when we bombed a hospital in Afghanistan, people in Europe were calling for world government because the U.S. can't be trusted. So we they're not bombing a hospital in Afghanistan for, for us to hate ourselves. We're just scratching our heads. Boy, we're so incompetent. But it sent a message to the world, we need world government, which is really what these puppet masters want because they're convinced they're going to control it. And, you know, I go back and forth and think they already control it, but they're so concerned with what we think. They're so concerned about these leaks. That's what gives me hope that they don't really have a total grip. It's all, you know, in our minds, and it could just switch yeah. in a flash. Uh, and then I want to hear your your clip that I think will bring us kind of back down to the realm of uh, the U.S. here and now. Binkley, right after the break, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back. I want to hit the ground running. Is uh, is this Tariq from last week? Yes. Nice. You? you said you would call back. Yes. All right. Uh, you... And I'll be quick. Cause yeah, I you have know a minute you... and a half. Say what you need. Yes, yes. Okay. I've been concerned about the acceleration of our of them, the, the deep cabal. I don't know if it's international uh, for the last. 15, 20 years especially. And I'm wondering, with this realization, and I know Trump, I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like it, but he's, he's really smart. Why do you think or have you, if you can share with us on, on the radio, because I know it could be risky to say too much, why do you think he's not doing, exercising his powers, the chief executive, to shut down, and I re- shut down the deep state's effort to topple him? I mean, what do you think is the real reason because I don't think it's just because he has a lot of rhinos and you have progressives that are actually Republicans, too, because he definitely has the constitutional right. Because I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned. In fact, it's really scary because I, I knew things were corrupt, but I've learned the last few years that it's really worse than I think not only myself, but a lot of Americans have thought. Well, I'm about to tell you that I think it's worse than you even think now. Because on the one hand, there's two possibilities. One is that, like Wilson, Obama, and Carter, they they can put in power. So he didn't get to power by himself. People think he did. He spent no money. Jeff Zucker of CNN said he's the scariest thing a Democrat could ever see. That got him elected. So they put people – so he was put in power, in my opinion – And uh, what they do is they put people in power who have such tremendous egos, they can't believe they're being fooled. And then they surround them. He's surrounded by a lot of Democrats. They surround them with people who blow smoke. I mean, Trump has said he doesn't have a computer. He's not doing his own research. So it is possible that he's in a bubble and he's being manipulated. Uh, The other possibility is that he's in on it. And... uh, that would be pretty deep state, if you ask me. We can talk about that some more. I love that you call back, Tree. Um, let's see what we got next. I got to think about it through the break. This is Monica Perez.
Monica Perez. I love your show. Uh, you give so much tremendous information. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are in the home stretch. I'm your libertarian voice on Saturdays from 3 to 6 here on WSB. And uh, we always have a lot to cover because our rights and protections are under constant attack. And, uh, and we only have a few hours a week to try to beat that back. And really, I'm just trying to alert you to what the, the – my opinion that basically all the news stories are meant to get our, pol- our buy-in to policies that are against our interests. And this week it's the IG report. I think that they're just trying to – uh, be able to operate kind of black ops or gray ops uh, behind a behind a curtain. They don't want us to see behind. But before the break, I had a call from Tariq, and uh, I'm I think I cut you short. So so your question, Tariq, was why doesn't Trump fight back? And I said maybe you know I had I had some answers. I'm not sure you liked them. What do you think? Yeah, I haven't heard the answers yet, but I I will say this. I did think that that was one of the possibilities that he is an international oligarch, and they, you know, a lot of them in bed together. But but the bottom line, no matter how complex it is, I, I tend to think more towards how can we do to push back. And I think one of the biggest things we need to do, because that whole movement's been accelerating for over 100 years. And it's really accelerated the last 60 or so. Are you talking about what um, Churchill called the high cabal, which is basically Cecil Rhodes and Rockefellers and Rothschilds or whatever the families are now uh, really have are, you know, have a monopoly on diamonds and oil and finance and all that and and really are consolidating world power. Yes, and, they, and I think they're using yeah. the progressive international yes. movements like globalism, what, yes. et cetera, et cetera, to, to try to achieve that. I think we need to do a massive education because a lot – they've dumbed us down, especially they took rhetoric out of school uh, decades ago. And we we really don't have – a lot of – most of us don't have a clue. And Dude, the only wait. way we're going to stop them, we got we to learn our history uh, not just in our country, but if, but but America is the big apple. I would say an old musician term to describe New York. We're the we're the last to me the last big apple in the world, or the biggest apple in the world. And when we fall even further, then they know it's it's a done deal. So Dude. we need to educate ourselves. You know okay, what I mean? Listen. History. Hold on, hold on. You're going too fast because okay. you hit on these things. That like were my aha moments last week. You were like, "Yeah, you got to go back to Aristotle and Plato," which my aha moment. And um, you don't learn this stuff in school. And you said they took rhetoric out of education. That was an aha moment for me. I reflected. So I told you last week I have these Ivy League credentials, and I got heckled on Twitter like, "Oh, you're always dropping names." I'm only saying this because I did not learn the real truth. And I would look back and say, I got these, these, this crazy education and I don't even know anything. And then, and because of that, I discovered, stumbled upon the trivium, which is the, it's grammar, logic, and rhetoric. It's the three-part classical education. The fans, the senators all go to the schools that they still teach rhetoric because it's the art of persuasion. It's the art of 
influence, but they don't want us to know not only how to influence, but how we're being influenced. Binkley's shaking his head. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, they go to these private schools, these boarding schools that cost $50,000 a year and teach them rhetoric. They teach them multiple languages. They teach them acting classes. These are like required classes at a lot of these schools. Yeah, and, and but the public doesn't have it. Yeah. Also, you said that we're the last ones, Tariq, and I think to me, you're, you're right. To me, we're the biggest. We are. We're, it's, I'm in the NRA, too, but it's like we're the last biggest hope. And, and the bottom line, you know, if, if, if we can't find a way to push that our education, because they don't really want us to know. You know, I went to, I'm a graduate of Georgia Tech. I have a master's and an undergraduate degree, and I used, to, I used to even teach there. But they don't teach you that stuff. They, they teach you how to be a good engineer or whatever. Or I know some doctors. They, and I tell them, well, why, I've asked them, why don't they get more into preventive medicine? And they tell me, they don't teach you that. And we see, we know what's going on, but a lot of us are so uh, so miseducated that they get emotional. That's why it's so easy to manipulate the masses. They get emotional, all these little diversions. I see yeah. that even in my own family and friends, trust me. I see it, and they don't, you know, it's really a problem. You know? They don't want to have the discourse. But I'll also say why I think we're the last stand is if the whole world took all the guns away except for us, we had the last chance to defend ourselves with our Second Amendment rights. No other country, they're not going to send the jackboots into people's houses and suppress them politically, even if their entire populations are unarmed, because then we would take notice of that and never give up our arms. They have to wait until they've gotten our rights away before they let uh, all the dominoes fall. So that was an excellent point. And your idea about progressivism being the catalyst for all this, it's not only a catalyst because of the way they have that Marxist... um, cultural Marxist way of thinking, but um, the progressivism brought in this era of industrial regulation, which is the way these big companies protect themselves from competition. This is a Rockefeller baby, and you can see it in these crazy stories that are coming out of Europe. It's so funny because I've been talking about regulatory barriers of entry for years, and Google comes out. There's a Wall Street Journal article that says, Google inadvertently will benefit from new EU privacy rules because they're the only ones big enough to be able to afford it. And they're raising the bar so that any upstart will have to have a much higher level of compliance than otherwise thought possible because Google's demonstrating that a very, very big guy can do it. And that's spreading here. We're voluntarily adopting these rules. But I'm uh, I'm just pointing out that we probably come to these conclusions from different point of views, but... I think that if you've got your eyes open, you will arrive at the truth, which is why I'm not afraid of communism or my kids like free thinking, trying things on, because ultimately it fails. And your logic will will demonstrate its failure if you're honest with yourself. I could talk to you forever, Tariq, but I promise Binkley some airtime here. And, uh, and that great clip that you sent me. Um, oh, no, wait, Tariq, don't hang up. Uh, I think... Binkley, what do you think? Should we should we play the um, Stacey Abrams one, or do you want? Do you think we should play the CFR? Let's one? play the CFR one. Okay, all right, Tariq, you can hang up. I wanted to prove to you, but it'll come up another time. Thank you very much for the call. That um, that the Trump phenomenon is either meant to be used or is certainly being used 
to galvanize this blue wave, but yeah. there'll be time for that as this uh, as this as the tide goes out. I think these both complement what he's saying. All right, so I so this is tell me set this up and let me hear it. Set it up. Tell me what you got. This is Richard Stingle. He's speaking at a CFR event called Combating Disinformation and Fake News. Richard is on, the former do it. CFR is the Council on Foreign yeah. Relations. It is, if you want to say there's a high cabal, um, this is it. Uh, doesn't, like, Condoleezza Rice and Stacey Abrams belong to it? I mean, is it yes. kind of like both ends of the spectrum, everybody from stem to stern? This is where, this is the kind of ground zero for the deep state is the CFR. This is where unelected powerful people get together Yes, to this is policy. where globalists get together and talk about how to control governments. And literally, it, literally. Yeah. It's actually in that... Um, document that Heidi Cruz and William Weld co-authored or whatever on the committee to author about the North American Union, where they said, if we want to get the legislators on board, we need to tutor them by having these uh, non-legislative things like the Bilderberg Group go in there and get them all on the same page for how to institute, uh, you know, full... Whatever. Basically make it one big country. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. And, and this guy who's speaking was also the former editor of Time, and he worked for the – he was the undersecretary of the State Department for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs for Obama. So he was a pretty, pretty powerful guy. Okay, and this is a CFR seminar for educators, for like college professors? Yeah, this, this is educators, and they're talking about media literacy curriculum and, and oh. how to move forward. Oh. I told you, I told you, when I went to these open houses for my daughter's, um, she was applying to private schools, they were all had the exact same talking points for media literacy. Remember the three keys to verifying a source? Remember <laughs> what they are? What were they? Authority, authority, and yeah. authority. <laughs> and I said, they're all saying the exact same stuff. There's a memo, and this is this is the memo. This right. is where you go to get your marching orders, and it's just like when your hairdresser goes to... The seminar, you know, there's a conference in Denver, you know, you go and everybody finds out, not you. But everybody gets the same haircut after that. No, they get the new techniques and yeah. then they know what they're doing. You pay extra for those guys. That's what this is. This is the hairdresser seminar for uh, Right, for that's propaganda. exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah, it's like continuing education for right, them. Thank you. Sorry, I had to dumb it down. I just wanted <laughs> to understand what we were talking about here because, you know, it's always in the same blue background and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? So now that we know these guys are passing out to the educators how to think about media, right? Yeah, and he was asked a question about master narratives. One of the uh, women that was at the, uh, at the conference, she asked, how do you handle the narratives that are often false news, but a nation continues to tell a narrative that's not completely true? Okay. So that was the premise of the, the question, okay. and here is his answer. There's another word for master narratives. It's called history. <laughs> Basically, every country creates their own narrative story. And, and, you know, my old job at the State Department was what people used to joke as the chief propagandist job. We haven't talked about propaganda. Propaganda, I'm not against propaganda. Every country does it, and they have to do it to their own population. Wow. Yes. And interesting, interesting enough, he also, when he worked at the State Department, he, um, he helped organize the foreign counter-propaganda with a special focus on Russia. Funny. 
Here's something interesting. He said it's on their own population. I think that we kind of swap populations. Like, we'll do it to the U.K., and the U.K. will do it to us. I, I really believe that. And, and there were examples in the news, I feel like, today where, you know, maybe just as simple as the Steele dossier or whatever, yeah. you know. But um, if I may uh, usurp your role, Binkley, and read another tweet. Go for it. Me, from Mysterio. We are absolutely a low-info populace. Every generation has been indoctrinated to believe our government is always righteous. History has shown us that this is far from the truth. So he sent this tweet before you read that, but that's what, you know, I— that's what this guy is getting at. This guy is getting at that's a good thing. We need that. Yeah, and this is for this is how we're going to handle media literacy education. The guy's promoting the use of propaganda. I'm dumbstruck. Maybe I'll recover on the break. Let's take a break. All right. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man A man On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, but uh, Bigley, didn't you cite some breaking news off the CNN website? Yes, I did. First of all, happy Father's Day, Dan, if you're listening. The breaking news is it's been breaking for quite some time. (laughs) And it's news for sure. Exactly. The, The headline with a giant picture for Trump separating families is just a ploy. And then there's a picture of a baby screaming as two adults loom over her. Which they've been screaming a lot about, you know, Trump separating children from their families. If they really cared about children being separated from their parents, then they'd be protesting Stacey Abrams' education <laughs> platform. Cradle to career, right? Right. Age zero. No, four is too late. Yeah, way too late. And she wants a constitutional amendment to that effect, right? Government's going to be delivering the babies. Yikes. <laughs> but that really is separating families. And... I remember from that tragedy and hope by Carol Quigley, like kind of the first big re- revelation of the deep state. He talked about how the way to change a culture is to separate kids from families. And we see that. We see that from one of the ways was drafts, the draft. I see like sleepaway college for as being that. I tell my kids, don't don't go away. And they're like, oh, we don't have to. I'm like, right. You know, they like my cooking. I spoil them rotten. You know what I mean? Why let them get away? Like, well, I didn't I didn't put all this effort in so that they could leave and never come back. But that's what the point is, I think, in part. And uh, and he also said technology will do it, which, of course, that yeah. is definitely the biggest wedge between my children and me right now <laughs> is technology. I'm going to get them back, though. Oh. Anyway, so what uh, so why don't you tell people maybe some episodes they can listen to of our podcast uh relevant to what we talked about today go to propagandareportdaily.com subscribe on the little icon and you can find you can find episode 97 about james comey or 97 is about no it's 95 it's about james comey so check that one out we'll tweet it out all right sounds great and uh we will be back next week saturday from three to six thank you so much thank you alicia thank you rachel thank you binkley this is monica perez